What's going on, y'all? It's another Sunday. Happy Sunday to each and every one of you. Uh, And thank you for joining Inside the Room with myself, Brandon McGee, where we discuss politics, leadership, and culture. It's been a week, y'all. It's been a week. Um, I, I would be remiss if, you know, I didn't at least start off um, the show um, with not necessarily a moment uh, of silence, but more so calling the names of the 10 individuals who were literally murdered um, last week in Buffalo, New York. there's so much that I want to talk about, so much that I want to say, uh, but there, there, there's not been funerals, um, but there will be a time and a place for uh, many of us to unpack what happened, our thoughts, et cetera. Um, but I do want to just say the names of, of the 10 beautiful souls that were taken uh, from us and then also continue to pray for those families as well as those three individuals who were um, injured uh, and thankfully uh, were able to be released from the hospital. Um, But anyway, uh, starting with uh, the deceased, uh, we have Roberta A. Drury, um, Margus D. Morrison, Andre McNeil, uh, Aaron Slaughter, Geraldine Talley, Celestine Cheney, Hayward Patterson, Catherine Macy, Pearl Young, and Ruth Whitfield. Um, Those were the 10 individuals who were brutally murdered um, in Buffalo, New York at um, a local market, local grocery store called Tops, that's T-O-P-S. And I mean, it was a massive massacre, basically, um, racially motivated. Uh, It was a racist terrorist act. Um, And it's just, it's it's horrific, uh, to say the least. Um, So again, I want (laughs) to... It's taken everything in me uh, to, you know, just make sure I, I utilize the space and time to reflect um, on the 10 names that I just mentioned. Um, but man, whew, talk about talk about triggering moments. You know, it, it really felt it felt like um, the time when George Floyd was taken from us, um, assassinated, if you would, um, by police office by a police officer, um, it's just triggering, uh, to say the least. And you know, I, I'm also praying for uh, the family of the ten deceased. Uh, but then there were three others who were um, injured. And I'll just say their names, uh, Zari Goodman, Jennifer Warrington, and Christopher uh, Braden. Uh, and again, ages, you know, from 20 
all the way on up y'all to, to the age of 86. Um, it's just absolutely uh, horrific. Um, but I do want to uh, send a special thanks to uh, the governor of the state of New York who announced um, a $2.8 million in funding for victims and their families. Um, according to a statement from her office, um, GoFundMe has also compiled a list of verified fundraisers dedicated to helping um, in the wake of, of, of the tragedy that happened uh, last week. Um, so, you know, there are some things in place. Um, and, and, you know, just take time to Google, you can Google, you know, the Buffalo shooting and the names of many of these folks that I've mentioned um, will come up. Um, so again, um, just know that we are praying for those family members uh, who lost their loved ones. Also, you all, there is um, this month, this month alone uh, is Mental Health Month. Um, mental health um, awareness is is extremely um, important. Um, you know, across the U.S., approximately one in five people uh, maybe experience the effects of mental illness. Um, it's interesting. I was having a conversation with a few uh, friends, clinicians, um, and you know, I was just saying to them how at one point, people really didn't want to talk about the importance of mental health, uh, the importance of, you know, speaking uh, with a therapist and, and just really being able to take control of your mind, your body, uh, and your soul. And that's what mental health is all about. Um, and so, you know, one might ask what, so what exactly is mental health, you know, um, I summed it up in mind, body, and soul, but generally speaking, mental health is comprised of our emotional, our psychological, uh, and social well-being. Um, it's, it's all about how we think, feel, and act. And frankly, taking care of our mental health is vitally important because it can affect every aspect of our lives from relationships and friends and family members to our productivity at work or school or just, just being present, you know? And so I wanna really um, lend today's show uh, to really unpack the importance of mental health, the importance of um, taking care of yourself. And I'm so very excited uh, that we have a very special guest uh, today inside the room who uh, will help us better understand the importance of mental health by sharing his story. Um, and before we get there, before we get there, uh, last week we spent, or the week before last, I think it was, because we went back into the vault uh, last week and, and had an amazing show. Um, it was, it was pre-recorded. It was a show from like last year. Uh, but it was a show with Joelle Murchison and Shay McCray, and we were just kind of talking about the importance of women, equity, and the workspace, and all that good stuff. Uh, but two weeks ago, we we really unpacked um, the Roe versus Wade and the leaked document um, that came out, just really talking about you know how the Supreme Court. Um, 
one of the justices is is really working his way to turn down overturn Roe v. Wade. Um, and I know some are asking, like, what's Roe v. Wade? I never want to assume that people understand what it is. But the 1973 Roe v. Wade is basically um, a ruling establishing a constitutional right to abortion. Okay. And what has happened as of late, as of like, I want to say, I don't know, I think it was February, a leaked draft of the Supreme Court's uh, deliberations in related, in a related case suggests that the court plans to overturn uh, the 1973 historic Roe v. Wade. Um, As you can imagine, many women uh, advocates across this country even here in the state of Connecticut, where I am, um, there were there are rallies, there are local, you know, and state legislators who are really concerned uh, that, you know, this 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 landmark 1973 Roe v. Wade decision that has served as um, protection and 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 protected the right to abortion um, before fetus um, is, 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 is actually, there's viability, um, it's going to be overturned. And I also shared with you, you all, that by overturning Roe v. Wade, it's literally the start of overturning and disenfranchising people um, around their votes, you know, housing, um, segregation, I mean, you name it. Um, This is sort of a play out of the other side of the aisle. Um, And of course, this is not representative of FUBU Radio or anybody associated this. These are my views, my viewpoint. um, And and from my perspective, um, right here inside the room. But one of the things that I really wanted to to share with you before we kind of jump into our interview this morning, um, here's I, I just want you all to know a few things, and, and and I want you to understand where we are when we say, um, you know, if the Supreme Court ultimately uh, does strike down Roe. Each each state essentially will be able to determine the legality of abortion services. Okay. Um, However, you know, I always tell folks and I had a conversation today, no one can see the future. However, abortion is already not universally uh, available to pregnant people who need one for various reasons. Okay. And it is well, it's a well-known Uh, fact that a lack of access can have a range of adverse consequences. And so there there's existing research on the outcomes, um, provides a glimpse into what is yet essentially yet to come if the court strikes down the Roe v. Wade decision. Some of the states where abortion will remain legal, okay, in at least 16 states in the District of Columbia, access to abortion has already been made a fundamental right by the state legislatures 
and courts, regardless of the Supreme Court's upcoming decision. Okay, abortion will thus remain available to any pregnant person who lives in or can afford to travel to such a state for the procedure. Okay. The primary burden of the court's action will be borne by pregnant people who cannot afford such out-of-state treatment. The states where abortion will remain legal include, hopefully I'm going to say one of, you know, the states where you all live, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, District of Columbia, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Rhode Island, Vermont, and Washington, the state of Washington. Other states, hopefully other states, may choose to join this list in the future, okay? Now, where abortion will be banned or limited, if the court overturns Roe v. Wade, abortion will most likely be tightly restricted or banned quickly. And y'all hear me very clear, very clearly. Roe v. Wade abortion will most likely be tightly restricted or banned quickly in 22 states. In 19 of these states, laws banning the procedure already exist. Legislators wrote some explicitly uh, in the hopes of the court overturning Roe. Now, if this happens, such laws, again, they're going to go into effect almost immediately. In places like, how did you know, Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Idaho, Kentucky, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Missouri, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Dakota, Tennessee, and here's a big one, Texas, Utah, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. (laughs) It's no surprise, you know, some of these states that I've just rattled off, but it should waken many of the advocates in those states to fight like hell for the rights of so many women who believe in it, okay? So there is still a lot of work to be done, y'all. While, you know, it's a midterm election, y'all need to take notes on who uh, is in support of banning, in support of overturning Roe v. Wade, And you better recognize and you better realize that this is the start of what what appears to be, because I didn't grow up in the 1960s, so I'm not familiar with sort of the the real-time blood that was shed crossing the Edmund Pettus Bridge or being fire-hosed down. Um, I don't know what it feels like, but I definitely have felt the sort of collateral consequences of those very restrictive racist laws that in some cases and in some states are still on the books. We got work to do, all right? So continue to remain informed on this issue. 
um, ask the right questions. If you don't know, there's something about Google, like for example, a lot of the information that I am sharing with you today, um, we did some research, but there are a few websites that provided some information, medicalnewstoday.com uh, is a great place where you can go. Um, CNN had a great write-up on it, uh, as well as the Washington Post, and then Politico, um, the news outlet that originally leaked, you know, the or rather obtained, excuse me, a draft of the Supreme Court's upcoming decision. Um, so nonetheless, here we are, all right? Um, again, if you're just tuning in, thank you so much for tuning in. You're inside the room with Brandon McGee. And as I said at the outset of this, uh, this morning segment, uh, we have an amazing guest, Mr. Peyton Hogan. Uh, he is inside the room. He is here, y'all. And we're going to talk a little on the importance of mental health. Um, he's going to share his story and uh, he's no stranger, you know, to inside the room. So I'm glad that he's back. Um, we knew him as Barry B. Uh, but, you know, he, he he's getting back to to his roots, Mr. Payton. Um, and um, yeah, 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 yeah. So just share it with share it with your friends and family, y'all. Tell them to, to, to tune in. Uh, again, some of y'all just getting up. Some of y'all are already dressed, getting ready to go to church. Um, keep it locked. Keep it locked right here. You do not want to miss the interview with my brother, the clinician himself, none other than Peyton Hogan. You keep it locked right here on the official FUBU Radio. What's going on, y'all? If you're just tuning in, you have tuned in to Inside the Room with myself, Brandon McGee. And as always, I am so glad that you chose to join me on this Sunday. And as I mentioned right before the break, we do have an amazing guest inside the room. But before we actually bring him on, did y'all hear Kendrick Lamar's new album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers? Now, if you don't know anything about Kendrick Lamar, um, you you got to know that this artist, Kendrick Lamar Duckworth, American rapper, songwriter, record producer, he's known for his lyrics. And man, I didn't even realize homie is only like 34. Um, but he's absolutely amazing. Okay. And I have enjoyed this new album. Um, Kendrick, he, he takes aim at his, his own image and delves into the darker sides of his physique on his long awaited new album, as I've already mentioned, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Now, folks, depending on who you, who you talk to, um, they either love or hate the album. Okay. And the reason I am highlighting Kendrick Lamar in particular, is it is right in line in line with Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, and I believe this album speaks to the importance, and, and basically this is me sort of giving you my two cents. It speaks to Kendrick Lamar's sort of aha moment 
on the importance of his own mental health and sort of um, colliding um, into like his own, like, what am I trying to say? Like his, his, his reality, you know, talking about his aunt um, or his family members who literally transitioned in front of him. Uh, there was not as in dying, but from male, I meant from female to male, like gender transition. Um, or, you know, his dark story about, I don't, I'm still trying to figure this out, whether he was molested or something, one of the songs. And then it even delved into like very, very combative and just crazy relationships. Um, all that to say it was a dope album and wait till you hear sort of my conversation, you know, and the questions that I plan to ask Mr. Hogan and his perspective um, on the album in and of itself. But rollingstones.com, uh, rollingstone.com uh, had a really nice write-up <laughs> and, and the article was entitled, you know, why Kendrick Lamar's new album is his most controversial work. Um, and I think that's a good thing. So anyway, um, y'all go ahead, download it. If you got Apple Music or Google or whatever it is, <clears throat> go ahead, excuse me, go ahead and uh, download it <clears throat> and be a part of this movement, this movement of Kendrick Lamar. So anyway, Felt like I needed to highlight that a little bit, um, get y'all in the mood. Uh, we'll be playing Kendrick Lamar throughout the entire um, segment this morning. Uh, so y'all keep it locked right here on the official radio. Hopefully Kendrick Lamar is listening and he'll come inside the room and he'll have a conversation with us and talk about his album. All right. So somebody go tell Kendrick, Brandon McGee looking for him. Okay. Keep it locked right here on the official FUBU Radio. What's going on, y'all? This is Brandon McGee, and you're inside the room where we discuss politics, leadership, and culture. And as always, I enjoy utilizing this space to bring great minds, great people together uh, to unpack really important issues. Uh, there's so much that we can talk about, but today um, I am... Uh, using this space to talk or rather speak on the importance of mental health. Uh, it is Mental Health Awareness Month. Uh, and I have a good brother, good friend of mine who he's been in this space. He's been inside the room uh, when I only had about 20 minutes of, of talk time with Shane McCray over at the takeover. Um, Mr. Peyton, formerly known as Barry B. Uh, he's a licensed mental health therapist um, and consultant uh, of his own practice, his own business called Bears, or Bear, not Bears. Uh, he's going to unpack it, but he's a black black man, y'all, from North Omaha, Nebraska. Like, he black, like, with several years. I didn't think there was no black folks in Nebraska. No, sir, no, sir. <laughs> um, but he has several years of clinical experience um, across various treatment uh, settings with adolescents and adults. Um, his work is centered around cognitive behavioral theory, uh, theory with a focus on facing uh, challenging and overcoming the thoughts that hold us all back. Um, 
Peyton is also a mental health influencer, encouraging thousands of people every day on his social media platforms to be just that great. Check this out. 21% of U.S. adults have experienced mental illness in 2020. That's about 52.9 million folk that have experienced some sort of illness around their mental uh, status. Uh, This represents one in five adults. Here's another stat. 5.6% of U.S. adults experienced serious mental health illness in 2020. It's crazy. That's 14.2 million people. This represents one in 20 adults. And 16.5% of U.S. youth, okay, that's our young people aged 6 to 17 years old experienced a mental health disorder. And we're going back some years, but this was in 2016. I only share that information with you because it's important that we talk about these things. And I think one thing that we should normalize in this conversation is the importance of our mental health. And it's not a bad thing. We're talking about our mind, body, and soul when we think of and speak of our mental health. So again, I am so honored to welcome back inside the room, Mr. Peyton Hogan, formerly known as Barry B. Welcome back, man. Welcome back. Yo, I appreciate you having me back on the show. And and you were just dropping some stats. And and it's 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 kind of, you know, it's it's crazy to kind of think about, you know, ironic that I say crazy, but it's crazy to think about, you know, just how many people are struggling with mental health. I think, you know, 2020 was a, a very pivotal year when it came to a lot of people's mental health, because it just showed how many people were already living in a state of survival, you know, and it and it highlighted like who really is struggling. There was like this this huge, this huge surge of like, I need help. I see that like, yo, I can't go to work anymore now. Like my, my, my means of survival is cut off. And then you you think about all the kids that were removed from school. And it's like, yo, I no longer have like an escape anymore to get out of this, this survival mentality that I don't even realize I'm in. And now like things are being shown. And when I speak of like the survival state, right. You ever, you ever heard of Maslow's hierarchy of needs? Ever heard of that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Like if you can't make it past a certain tier, especially like the first two years, you know, your physical needs and then like your shelter and things like that, like emotional needs and and so on and so forth. Like you are in this perpetual state of just trying to meet physical needs, emotional Mm. needs, safety. Like, and that's where a lot of people are stuck. And especially like when you look at the black community, a lot of us who are in like lower middle class and poverty, that is where we're at. We're waking up every day trying to survive, not really thriving. And, and I think that's where a lot of our mental health comes into play, just being in that survival mentality. But that's crazy, though, like. Not being able and I'll just I'll, I'll I'll take a young person, you know, for example, not being able to focus solely on your schoolwork, being a child, you know, just being that young, careless person. But having to figure out, you know, instead rather having to figure out what you're going to eat, where you're going to live. And that's real. So like, I mean, even as you were talking, I'm thinking about the young people trying to figure out how to be of support to their parent or parents 
during a time of, of just major need. Um, and we saw so many of these types of situations at the height of the pandemic. And even now, I mean, we're still in a pandemic. Um, but talk to me a little bit about Peyton. Like, I, I know you shared this story before, and so many of our listeners were motivated, inspired by your story that you shared. Um, I think it was last year when you were on, but how did you get into this space? Because yeah. you've evolved even since the last time, you know, we had a chance chance to chat. Um, and I mean, evolved, you were already doing your thing, but it's like, it's deeper work. It's, it's just, I don't know, you scaled up in a sense. Um, talk to us a little bit about Peyton. Definitely, definitely. I've been, I've been talking about me for, for a while now, you know, for, <laughs> especially for like the past couple of months, uh, two weeks ago, I actually went and spoke um, in my state Supreme Court, they were doing like a proclamation for um, this thing known as problem solving courts day. And like, I got to speak in front of the chief justice and all of these different people and just kind of like talk about like why, why problem solving court was such a huge benefit and how it can impact more lives if it's done correctly. Um, but to, to essentially talk about me and how I got here. So like, yeah. Cause I want to know why the court was so interested in your story. Yeah. 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 So growing up, right. Growing up, I, you know, I was a typical, typical middle-class, um, middle-class black kid. I had a two parent household all the way up until I was like 11, 10, 11, 12, somewhere around there. Parents split me and my dad did not have a good relationship. Not at all. Um, and you know, like that's just kind of is how it is, you know, dad don't got a dad in his life son don't got a dad in his life and the trauma continues and so um had had bad relationship with him had a lot of internal and emotional pain that i did not know how to deal with mm. so how did i deal with it start smoking weed right start smoking weed start selling weed start running the streets and you know throughout high school it didn't really catch up with me i, I got a lot of big breaks uh some that some people don't even know about but it, it ultimately caught up with me once I got to college. After my freshman year, I was there on scholarship for football, doing my thing, battling for a starting position in our spring ball. And uh, next thing you know, I'm looking at 10 to 15 years. Max 20 felony drug charges, distribution of a dangerous substance. So and wait, I so you're talking about a young dude, scholarship, you, you doing your thing, bam, 10 to 15 years, max 20. Bam, 10 to 15 years, max 20. Ooh. Now, now let me say this, though, because, like, you know, I, I throw in the scholarship and all that, and it, it sounds yeah. like I got my head on straight and I know what I want to do. To be honest with you, I really – I was in college because I had a mentor who was like, hey, mm. you, could, you can do good in sports. Like, go to college and do this. And because my mom always set the expectation. She was first-generation college student. She's like, you got to go to college. Because at first I was going to go to the military because I didn't know what I was going to do. She was like, well, if you're going to go to the military, you better go to college. Then I was like, you know, forget it. I'm going to just go, I'm going to move to like Cali or something like that and go sell drugs out there. And, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you planned it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like, I, I, cause that's what I did. I was good at it too. I was really good at it, which mm -hmm. ultimately led me to where I'm at. Like I'm a business owner, you know? So, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let <laughs> yeah. me, let me shut up. Let me shut up. Let me shut up. No, you're good. You're good. <laughs> um, but I, I ultimately like, uh, I ultimately only went to college because my mentor was just like, yeah, man, you're, you're good at football. Like you could get a scholarship for it. And so 
I pursued that route and, you know, I got the scholarship and I ended up there. And even while I was there, I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I was good at sports. I, I really don't care about football like that. I was good at it, though, which is also why I didn't pursue anything past college with football, because it was just kind of like it was a vehicle for me to go to college because people thought I should go to college. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, so. So wait a minute. So because you're giving a clean version. So. <laughs> all right. So you get slapped with 10, 15 years. Yeah. Um. If I could recall, now some people haven't heard the story. If I could recall, you mentioned there was some really dark, dark moments during that time. Did you serve any time? What happened? What happened? Bring us, bring us up a little bit. So did you go to jail? Did you not? Like, how did yeah. you get your life back? Yeah, so I, I went to jail. I got taken to jail. I was in jail probably for like a week and then uh, posted bail. Um, and and as as the whole the whole like time period leading up to whether or not I was going to trial, you know, they got the whole court process. They do your arraignment. They do all this other stuff. They they introduce the evidence, and then you can pick whether or not you're going to fight it or not. And so at this time, I had no money. Like a couple months prior, I had got picked up on some other charges that <laughs> had to spend money for an attorney, and um, ultimately like got those waived. You see, like most people don't learn when they get a slap on the wrist. Mm-mm. We we learn through we learn through pain, unfortunately, most of the times. Mm-hmm. Which now, now taking this knowledge, I try to, I try to apply pain to myself um, through going to the gym. You know what I'm saying? I go to the gym. <laughs> I cause myself pain in that way, so yeah, that I don't yeah. have to learn from pain in other. And ways. I'm back in the gym too, so you're not oh, the only on. one. I, listen, I'm come trying on. to get there. But anyway, go ahead. <laughs> Keep on going. No, um, so I, I I did I did like a week or so in jail and. Um, went through the whole court process and my public defender was like, yo, they got a substantial amount of evidence on you. Like, if you try to take this to trial, you're probably going to do your mandatory. Mm. And I'm just in my mind, I'm sitting there thinking like, well, this is it. You know, maybe I can get off with some probation. But if I can't, like, you know, I'll at least have to sit for like four years, you know, do a third of your time as long as you accumulate good time. And so my mom was like, hey, like, what are you doing? Like, mm. are you are you a fool? Like, why are you trying to take this to trial? My public defender offered me the opportunity of this thing called drug court, where you can like bypass like being in a physical cell, but you literally got to have like they they dictate your day. Like they got you for damn near 15 hours out of the day doing something, mm-hmm. whether it's drug testing, whether it's a class, whether it's meeting with the officer, whether it's meeting with the judge, doing all these different things. And hearing that at first, like me being me, I'm just like, can can we can can I can I curse or do I got to keep it PG? Well, you know it's it's actually Sunday, so some people are in church, but sometimes you know you got to tell it like it is. So we're inside the room, right? And so right. it's a part of the culture. Go for it. I'm here for it. Yeah, I was like, fuck that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was not trying to do that, but um, my mom had she had a friend who was who was a judge actually in my city, and he he coached basketball, so it was somebody that I grew up around and. She had me sit down and talk to him. And he was just like, Hey, like, why are you getting ready to throw your life away mm. when you have an opportunity to change it? And at that time, I didn't really see it as an opportunity to change it. It just seemed like, it just seemed like more adversity that I, I didn't want to deal with. I'd rather just sit out my time, not think about it, not really learn from the situation. Um, but like, as I thought on it more, as time started to pass, I was just like, you know, I could sit in, I could sit in jail or I can like be out and give this a try. And so I stayed out and gave it a try. 
Um, and it, it, it was one of the best decisions of my life. But if, if I'm not lying, like I hit one of my deepest Mm. depressions that I ever hit in my life ever. So talk to us a little bit about that, because I think it's important for people to understand, like, you don't just do this because it's a cute sector to, you know, dive and give your all in all and make money off of by helping people, et cetera. But like you would experienced this firsthand like what really happened well I'll I'll paint the picture like this right imagine imagine for months just being around people who you don't know who you have no relation to not being anywhere near your family and also being told what you got to do every single day all day and if you make any mistake you go into prison I think I probably saw in a span of six months, I think I saw my family twice for two, two day stints. And I was hours away from them. And this was at some core. What, what was the name of the program? Uh, drug court, drug court. So I was in, I was in Norfolk, Nebraska. You, you talking about, you didn't know black people lived in Omaha, Norfolk. I think it's like 20,000 people there. Oh my God. 20,000 people couldn't leave the, couldn't leave the county, couldn't leave the county. So this was like a form of boot camp, really, to just kind of get you focused, get you back on on track. Pretty much, pretty much. And I mean, that's what it did. Like it it taught me it taught me that, like, I knew how to discipline myself. Right. I being in being in sports, being in college sports, especially you had to have a level of discipline. You're waking up every morning, like between four and five, you got to be at film. You got to go eat. Then you got to be like you got to be all these different places. and You got to be there on time. And on time is like 10 minutes early. Mm-hmm. If, if you're right on time, you're late. If you're 10 minutes early, you're on time. But how so did I, you know that you experienced depression though? Like, oh, how did I know? Like, yeah. I was, how, how does one know? I mean, we I was, Google this stuff, but like, what is it? What, yo, I, yo, I would spend multiple nights in my room just crying. Like I was in this house. I, I got a deal on this house. So like before I, just to kind of backtrack, before I moved out to Norfolk, um, I had planned on like having roommates in my college town and we had we had put our deposit down on this house and then I got hit. And so I still was like on the lease for this for this house. And so I still had to pay that. And then I had to pay for another house in Norfolk. But fortunately, I found a place that had a room. It was this real big house renovated with like eight or nine rooms, different roommates in each room. And I just paid 200, 200 bucks a month flat for my room utilities everything and I had access to everything in the house so it was like a it was a true blessing that I didn't have to rent out a whole apartment or a whole space where the price would have been significantly more but I I had days and days and nights where I would just be by myself like crying you know because I'm like man my, my life is ruined I'm kicked out of college football's done I'm away from everybody I'm here all by myself you know but like I it, it, it taught me a lot about myself and, and something that was an added benefit to that is one of the requirements is you had to meet with a therapist and she helped me through a lot of my depression and, and a lot of the trauma that was being triggered through this situation. Right. Cause I no longer could mask with, with weed. I couldn't smoke my weed no more when I, when I felt sad or when I felt mad or when I felt angry or when I felt mm-hmm. down on myself, which is what I was so used to doing. Yep. You know Coping mechanisms. Yep. Boom. There you go. Coping. I, I couldn't cope that way. Mm-hmm. I couldn't cope that way. And so I'm just flooded with all of these emotions that mm. since the age of 11, I never had to deal with. Wow. 
You know, imagine wow. imagine going through that with with nobody around you and you can't leave and you you can't go. It was just it was just different, man. It was mm -hmm. different. Wow. So so during this month, um, you know, many of us who are not clinicians who, you know, basically we don't live in the space that you live in every day. Some of us, we do have therapists, which I do. Um, we appreciate the work that you all do. Uh, and I don't think one month does any justice on the importance or to the importance of, of mental health uh, and the awareness. Um, just a few days ago, the country was slapped again with um, a racist act uh, that happened in Buffalo, New York. Um, how triggering is that? Uh, I remember, um, I think it was Monday, I, I was so angry uh, and frustrated and just, it was just a mixed bag of emotions. And I remember calling a friend of mine who's a therapist, not my therapist, but who's a friend of mine, but a therapist, and also handles a lot of um, diversity, equity, inclusion type work. Um, and all I could say was, how do we deal with this? How does one deal with this? On the same token, you know, there is Kendrick Lamar who released, you know, this new album. And I mean, we can talk about it on the other side of this break. Um, <laughs> it covers a lot of ground on issues like therapy, relationships, celebrity, cancel culture, spirituality, family. I mean, I remember playing one track, I got to tell you. And I was in the office, okay? <laughs> and I had my door open, but I didn't think anybody was in the office. And it's... <laughs> I feel like I know which one you're talking about. <laughs> I feel like I the, the one where, where, oh. where him and, when him and old girl was going back and yes, forth. Yes, I mean, they going back and forth. No, fuck you, yeah. fuck the beep. Yeah. <laughs> the whole nine. And anyway... It, it was a great album. Let's just put it that way. Um, or a great song. Um, but I bring all that up to, to, to really, number one, I want to talk about like his lyrics. And as a therapist, you know, not his lyrics specifically, but sort of on a macro level, you know, what's your immediate feedback? What is it that he's trying to communicate? He's a deep thought type brother anyway. Um, and we got a lot of critics out there. Folks are like, ah, that was whack, blah, 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 all this other stuff. Uh, so anyway, just hold your thought. And I know many of our folks who are inside the room with us this morning are saying, I do not know who Kendrick Lamar is. Um, so what we'll do is we'll play one of his songs off this new album uh, with, in hopes uh, that folks could get a a gist of what we're talking about maybe not that song not that song yeah not that that, 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 that might be a little too much too much for, for sunday it's too much for fubu radio right now all right so again if you're just tuning in you are tuned into inside the room with myself brandon mcgee and our special guest licensed mental health therapist and consultant none other than peyton hogan uh he's here y'all dropping some knowledge sharing his story talking on the importance of therapy, uh, but utilizing his story to encourage others to live their truth. 
Um, and so I'm just really excited to have him back inside the room. So again, y'all keep it locked right here on the official FUBU Radio. What's going on, y'all? Again, you are inside the room with Brandon McGee here. And hopefully you enjoyed music by Kendrick Lamar, um, who just released a new album, Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Again, what a controversial yet real album. Um, Peyton, talk to me. What, were, what, what are your initial thoughts on just, you know, whatever you want to share on this album. I know in the green room, we were talking a little bit um, about your Facebook group and maybe you can share a little bit uh, from that group, some of your thoughts and, and even your thoughts on um, Kendrick and, and his new, his new album. Definitely. Definitely. First off, first off, I want to say I might have a, a pretty biased view of this album because Kendrick's my favorite artist. That's like favorite. He, his lyrics are always dope. He's always painting a picture. Like every album that I've listened to, I can see the vision that he's like trying to bring to life. And I relate to what he's talking about. So relevant. It's relevant. Yo, every last one. Every I mean, from the title one. of the songs to the theme, lyrics, all of it. That's a all fact. That's yeah, a yeah, fact. Yeah. But no, nah, this this album in particular, right? I, I think it, it really hits home for for mental health awareness month. And I think he dropped it this month. I may, I may be wrong, but I feel like he dropped it this month on purpose. I think you might be right though. You know, like for real, for real, because the whole album, literally from the first song, the first thing that he talks about is it's about healing trauma and where our trauma has kind of like, like not where, but how it's played out, right? How it's played out in the father-son relationship, how it's played out in a relationship, which is, which is that song we was talking about. Uh-huh. Um, you know how just like how it plays out and where it gets us. What's the name of that song? Was it um, um it's not so Mother I Sober featuring Beth Gibbons? Now that was a tough one. That's like, fire. That was fire. That was fire. I don't but, know. I had to listen to it twice because I got in my feelings for a minute. Yeah. I don't know why it was triggering because I didn't live through any of what he was talking about, but it was heavy. No, I feel I feel I think heavy. I think the one the one hold up. Is it Silent Hill? No, that's not it. No, it's not Silent Hill. Hold up here. I'm about to. Oh, no, I'm going to get it. Oh, no, that's not it. It's. uh, I forget the chick's name. No, it's not. Mr. Morale? No, it's. um, Tanya Leon? Is it that one? I I swear to God, I want to play it, but I'm not going to do it. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I'm not gonna do it. Okay, so so listen. So here, here's a here's a question for you. Yeah. Um, do you feel his lyrics could provide a valuable uh, way for young people to understand and consider their own vulnerability? Definitely, definitely. Media is the it's the biggest source of influence in in our generation today. It always has been, right? It just constantly upgrades and updates, and so like with music like that's where a lot of like younger generations get their influence from and so to hear a fresh perspective outside of what most people are talking about but also just like being real like this is who think about this Kendrick Lamar who's talking about healing got got a got Kodak Black on his album right and he and he's lifting him up because he understands his experience and he's like I'm you you me but we can still heal and grow you know what I'm saying and like that's what it's about instead of being like 
on one end of the spectrum where it's like, no, you got to completely lose who you are and lose your culture. Like, cause Kendrick, one of his lines, he was like, I think he was like, I re he said something about like, I relate more to, I relate more to Kodak or something like, I can't remember what it said or I'm more Kodak or something like that. And it's like, yeah, this is real. This is, that's our culture. That's where we're from. That's where a lot of us are from. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to necessarily lose that, but I can heal from that and I can grow from that. I don't have to, I don't have to embody, embody death, mm -hmm. you know, which is what a lot of our, a lot of our culture and our music and what's being pushed to us is just embody death. Exactly. Death, death, death. I, I, I personally think that, um, so, so Kendrick, he opens with Mr. Morale by telling us he's been going through something on United and grief, right? Before mm -hmm. revealing he's speaking with a therapist. Like, what, what do you think from just your honest sort of assumption or your perspective? Why do you think he thought it was important to share with his listeners, his, his fans, the importance of like, yo, in order for you to live your life, literally he undressed us, not addressed us, but undressed this idea of fame, fortune, clothing, cars, etc. And it's almost like you've got to be true to yourself in order to understand how important you are. So face the scary places in your life, right? And I mean, I'm paraphrasing. I'm not using his lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like, he went there. And I'm just wondering, why did it take him so many albums to get to, to this point? And, and then drop it during Mental Health Awareness Month. Yeah. Well, I, I, I honestly think he, he always has been doing it, you know, in, in each one of his albums. I mean, you look at, you look at, um, you look at his, his first one, Section 80, right? You look oh, at Section yeah. 80 and he's talking about all high power, like all of his songs, all of his songs. He's always trying to speak like enlightenment into people like it's time to wake up, y'all. It's time to heal. Mm. It's time to heal from this. And then you go to Good Kid, Mad City and he's just talking about his experience of growing up, growing up in the hood. And, you know, it starts off with the little interlude, our father who are in heaven. They sitting there yep, praying, yep, they, yep. They're, they're giving their lives up like they're trying. He's always talking about like. It's, it's time to elevate. You know, I, I got to get I got to get um, someone on here who um, can really break down and like talk about hip hop and the importance of hip hop and the ability to story like tell to tell stories. Um, I think Michael Eric Dyson, Dr. Michael Eric Dyson, Cornell West um dr akbar um here in connecticut all folks that i'd love to get all of y'all in the room a special mental health therapist men of color in particular to really unpack like the significance of these artists like kendrick lamar marvin gay was one of them um jay-z nas tupac um, jake oh people sleep on j cole sleep on they, <laughs> but i i just anyway not to go off on a tangent but i just I, I thought it was appropriate to bring up like the fact that kendrick lamar released this amazing album um and i agree with you young people um learn an awful lot from artists especially artists in the music industry 
Uh, and I think sometimes I get a little ticked off with artists because they're not always responsible with the platforms that they've been given, you know, to help heal and to tell a message and to inspire and, you know, like all of the good things that come along with it. But the same could be said about preachers, teachers, anybody, mental health clinicians, you name it. Um, so it is what it is. I, I so, want to, can I, can I add a little, can I add a absolutely. couple of cent on that? I mean, absolutely. On, on one hand, on one hand, I feel you, but then on the other hand, right. Majority of the artists that are coming out now, like they're, they're getting put on like 360 deals and, and deals where, where they really ain't even, they're not even making money, but it's an opportunity for them to, to get out of their environment. And so when it comes to that deal, like you got your label telling you what they're going to push and what they're not going to push and what you need to create and what you're not going to create and what image you need to live up to. And it's, it's the limit. It's the image that they, that they come from. And now we got all these kids who, who might not even be in, who might not even be in a gang or who might not be from a hood or who might not like mm. be a lot of these things like drug dealing and popping perks and codeine and all this stuff that they might not have anything to do with that, but now they glorify it. And it's because no, you know, fair point industry can make money and so these these artists are just they want to make it they want to i want to make it i know this stuff or i might not know this stuff and i know that i can make it if i talk about this stuff mm. you know what i mean and it, it only comes to a certain point like for a lot of artists where like they can go independent and then they're not as big anymore or like for somebody like kendrick who who stepped away from his label like mm -hmm. this year like iconically i thought that was pretty iconic how he did that he made it a big thing i don't know if you saw that i did i yeah. did and yeah. I, and i also believe that he's gonna make a lot of money because of the decision that he made so one other thing before before you go and make all your millions and all this good stuff and i got your time yeah um we all have witnessed an increase uh in mental health um, in 2020, um, amidst the pandemic, all of that. What do you think were some of the contributors of this? Um, you know, do you think things existed prior to 2020, as we mentioned at the outset of, of the interview today? Um, we also have seen an increase in suicides. Um, people of color literally taking their lives for various reasons but a lot of it i believe is centered around mental health and the inability to sort of articulate where they are and that fame was not the end all be all it didn't save them what do you think contributed to sort of this massive spike um in cases where folks are literally dying before us definitely so i don't i don't necessarily think it's it's one thing Right. Especially mm -hmm. when it comes to us, you know, people of color, black people, brown people, you know, just us in general. We we've been carrying a collective trauma for generations mm -hmm. after generation after generation and never like we're taught how to heal it or mm -hmm. given an opportunity mm -hmm. to heal. You know, mm -hmm. it, it kind of goes back to that first that first point that I mentioned, that survival state. We've always been in that never really healing it wasn't until recent until like the civil rights movement so only like 50 60 years ago yeah. that that our mental health was taken into consideration just taken into consideration like oh maybe they maybe they do have a mental health you know back back when back when some of our ancestors were slaves unless you were indigenous but even if you were indigenous you might have still been in captivity but back then 
the only the only disorder we had was one where I can't remember the exact the exact name. It's, it's really hard to pronounce. So y'all can look it up. Um, but it was one where we were out of line and we exhibited mm-hmm. it by not following orders, by being, quote unquote, lazy in the way that you handle this disorder. And this was an actual disorder. The way you handle it is by beating the devil out of them. Wow. Beating so the now devil. you know I got to do research because folks going to be emailing me, asking me questions. Check this out. What was uh, Peyton Hogan talking about? I can send you I can send you the article that that I that I got published. I just don't want to say it because I don't want to butcher the I don't know. No, it's OK. No, 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 no. Hold on can, to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll send you I got I, I have it published in an article. So I'm actually like I get some article published and you know all of that. But, See what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> I'm moving. Publish, I'm moving. Publish articles and stuff. But the point you're making, though, is we were never diagnosed, never have had an opportunity to sit and talk to folks like we do now whether it was having the financial means, but the way the construct, the the society was at the time, you are a slave. Matter of fact, you ain't even a person. You ain't considered a human being completely, right? So like, okay. Exactly. And so when it comes to, when it comes to mental health, right? The, the, mm-hmm. the things that we learned were like, just keep on going. Like mm. tuck that, tuck that in. Like, don't, don't worry about that. Keep moving. And if you didn't, you're a liability your viability and now we're getting to a place in age right where mental health is this big topic and the pandemic hits and now you have time to sit back and think ain't nothing else to do sit back and think and you thinking about all the stress your job is gone your kids at home all these other added stressors are adding on to you and you you're trying to figure out how to survive past that and then let's get past the pandemic right when when things open back up there were so many people who were used to just like getting that that stipend and now that's gone too so i can't even enjoy myself anymore and i don't want to go back to work that's true and i'm seeing i'm seeing how this system is working and now these are just things that are compounding i don't know how to talk to people i don't feel comfortable talking to people Mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people who i can talk to that look like me that can relate to me and you want me to integrate back into society come on now Hmm. wow fair point Fair point. Well, listen, um, I want to have you back and I'd love for you to um, talk a little bit about your health journey. You're doing some consultations and you're doing all this stuff. Tell the folks where they can find more information, invite you to come speak, utilize your services. Like how can folks get in touch with Peyton? Yeah, tap in with me on Instagram. I have a website, but it's better that you come on Instagram. My at is at XXD underscore conscious underscore creator XX. I have Lord have mercy. We're gonna have to spell all of that. (laughs) Or just type look, 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 just type in Peyton Hogan, and that's Peyton with an A, not with the E. Got it. Got it. And and folks, I'll be sure to put all of his handles so that you'll see it when we do, you know. Any updates on Peyton, uh, we'll be sure to add that to the website as well. But again, give those handles again so that folks can find yeah. at XX the underscore conscious underscore creator XX. And I also want to say this too. Look, you, you wasn't gonna give me a second to say this, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Do it. I'm gonna Go do for it anyways. It. Check this out. If you've been feeling stuck and yes. you're experiencing depression, anxiety, and you don't know how to overcome it, you've been just looking for so many different ways, right? but nothing is seeming to work. Guess what? I've been there with you. I've been there with you. And I found the keys to unlock it 
If you want to unlock that, reach out to me. I got something for you. It's Mental Health Awareness Month. My goal is to impact at least 40 people at a rate that you've never seen before. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. Make sure you tap in with me for real, for real. That's all I got. Well, well on that note, y'all keep <laughs> it locked right here on the official FUBU Radio. You're inside the room with Brandon McGee and obviously Peyton Hogan. All right. Keep it locked. Woo, man, wasn't that interview with Hogan, Mr. Hogan, excuse me, Mr. Peyton Hogan, wasn't that amazing? It's absolutely an honor um, to know so many great um, individuals, especially men of color in the space of mental health. Um, and y'all go, y'all go follow him on social media, go, go support him. Um if not supporting him, recommend his services. Um, he talked a little bit about, not a lot, but the fitness side of his, his health coaching, um, his mental health and, mental health and uh, therapy, counseling, all that good stuff. Y'all go ahead, follow him on social media. All right. And as always, thank you all for tuning in every Sunday from nine to 10, right here inside the room where we bring all walks of life together uh, to learn, to cry, to enjoy, to laugh, uh, but most importantly, to uplift our community. Uh, so do something very special for yourself this week. Um, I said it before and I'll say it again. Try to accomplish something on your to-do list. Go take yourself out. Go for a walk. Go do something. But most importantly, make sure you're taking care of yourselves. And even throughout this month, the remaining of May and beyond, you're taking care of your mental health. All right? And again, I'll be praying for all of the families in Buffalo, New York, uh, those who lost a loved one and those who you know, whose loved one was injured and, you know, thank God they were released in their home, hug them very tightly. Uh, but there's something that we need to do, and I'm not sure what it is. And so I am convening um, a group of, of great minds um, to host a virtual town hall right here inside the room. So y'all stay tuned. I'm going to bring together some experts, some folks from all walks of life, white and black, um, to weigh in on the conversation of mass shootings, racist attacks, um, and more, right? So as my good friend and former presidential candidate, Jesse Jackson would say, y'all keep hope alive and know that I love you. All right. Have an amazing week. <laughs>